Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Shimon Dental Group and Dr. Eddie Sauer. The start of the school year is the perfect time to straighten your teeth with Invisalign liners, and Dr. Sauer is a national speaker on Invisalign. We're lucky to have his knowledge and expertise here in Amarillo. His office continues to practice the same safety precautions they've always used to stop the spread of disease, and Shimon Dental will continue to be one of the safest places in Amarillo. To learn more, visit shimondental.com. Today's guest is Austin Sutter. Austin is the executive director of the Amarillo Hockey Association and a former elite hockey prospect who grew up in Alberta, Canada. His career, however, brought him to Amarillo almost 15 years ago, and at the time, Amarillo was not exactly a hotbed of, of hockey. Back then, he played for the Amarillo Gorillas. Uh, then he ended up in the front office and coaching for the Amarillo Bulls. Today, Austin is leading a movement to broadly expand the presence of hockey in Amarillo, including the construction of the Amarillo Ice Ranch, a brand new downtown venue for hockey and other ice-based sports. This is a fun conversation about a sport that's probably more popular locally than you expect and is continuing to grow. Here's Austin Sutter. Austin Sutter, welcome to the Hamrella Podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me on. Like I was saying earlier, it's a it's an honor, and I love what you guys do here for the community, and I think it's really good for the community. So it's an honor. Well, thanks. To be here. I I appreciate that you've listened to it, uh, that that you know about it, um, and and really that you gave me some time to talk. I I really am eager to talk about hockey in yeah. the Texas Panhandle, but before we get to any of that stuff, I I kind of like to hear your story about why you're here in the first place. I know that you are from Canada, you're not an Amarillo native, so tell me a little bit about like your life, you know, in a nutshell, before you ended up in Amarillo. So I ended up here for two reasons. One is hockey and two is is my wife, but okay. uh, it all started, I was born in Alberta, Canada, a uh, very, very similar place to West Texas and Amarillo. It's it's uh, in, in so many different ways. It's similar from the people. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, from the people to the uh, economy to the industries, um, uh, the cattle, the oil, um, the spirit of the people, the hardworking mentality. Um, it's it's actually eerily similar. And uh, I grew up in Red Deer. There, it's. Uh, it's the snow desert uh, here. It's the heat desert, okay. and it's it's they're both dry, windy places. Uh, but there we deal with the uh, extreme cold. So is Red Deer relatively flat? It's not. So it's, it in the it's right off. Of, it's right or? off. It's it's in the prairies okay. in central Alberta. It's it's located directly between Edmonton and Calgary, the two major cities in right. Alberta. Um, it, it's a literally an hour and fifteen minute drive between between each of those cities, and it's about uh, three to four hours off of the Rocky Mountains okay. into the heart of the most beautiful area in the world. Right. If you traveled up there, which is what's unique about that area, you've got mountains, and we've all seen you know Banff and places like that. Yes. But then you've also got the flatlands that look kind of like the Texas Panhandle. They do. And the prairies where I grew up are, are beautiful in their own sense. They look a lot like uh, England, um, but even here you drive through parks of Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle and it's, it's Southern Alberta looks just like uh, Amarillo with the, we call them coolies, but I think I forget what they call them here, but they're uh, yeah. Plateaus or whatever. And so the mesas, yeah, plateaus. the mesas. Yes. So it's very similar in a lot of ways, but, but growing up there was, it was a great place to grow up and uh, you have to grow up pretty tough pretty quick in in a climate like that and in an environment like that and uh, my parents were were very hard-working people and they provided us amazing opportunities um, but uh, we didn't have much money growing up and and I grew up loving the game of hockey from the time I was three years old um, it's I hate to compare this but it's it's almost like a religion up there hockey um, it's it's similar to kind of football in, in West Texas but even more even more so passionate, okay. I, I would say. And um, I didn't so, know if it was a stereotype. Like people assume that if you grow up in Amarillo, you ride horses all the time. Right, we assume right. every Canadian loves hockey, but is, is that? I mean, there's not accurate? too many. I don't really know of any that don't love okay. hockey. Now, do they all play it, or do they all passionately follow it? Maybe not, but 
it is a part of their their culture there and it's a it's a part of it's in their blood honestly and and uh and a lot of people just love it and what it does for for communities and in a lot of different ways hockey's an amazing sport but um i grew up loving it and uh Behind my house, you know, our city had about 60,000 people. Uh, two blocks uh, south of my backyard, we had a full outdoor hockey skating rink that was okay. provided by the fire department. The local uh, fire department would take care of it and upkeep it. And then right in front of our house in our neighborhood, we had another skating rink uh, that we would flood. And not that uh, that was enough. We, My brother and I decided to put one in our backyard. So it was, it was just something that it was just a, a, a passion and a love that was, has been a part of me from day one. And, uh, and it's been a part of my life and it's provided so many opportunities. So, uh, growing up in Alberta, I, that's what I did. I played hockey. I went to school and, uh, we did that all the time year round, 365 days, days a year. And nobody told me I had to practice. Nobody told me I had to, to do it. I just wanted to, that's sure. all I cared about. It's opened up many of opportunities for me in my life. Yeah. So, you know, like, like with a, any kid in any sport, you know, there's a lot of kids that play a sport, a lot of kids that are good at it, but there's not always that point where they think, all right, this is my career. Either I want to be in the game as a coach, either I've got the talent, you know, to play it professionally or semi-professionally. Yeah. I mean, when did you begin to see in your own life that this was more than just a thing I did as a kid, that this might be, you know, a career for me. Yeah. It, it, quite honestly, when I was, it might be kind of a strange answer, but when I was 10 years old, is kind of when I realized that I, um, in Alberta, uh, we had some of the best players in the entire world still playing today. And, uh, I was a part of that group and I was accepted in that group and it was an elite group. And I followed that group all the way through uh, to junior hockey, um, which which I was basically the best hockey players in the world that are 16 to 21 years okay. old. Uh, are there and, names that we would recognize? Oh or? yes, like so. I I grew grew up playing against Sidney Crosby, best okay. player in the world. Um, many good rivalries. Uh, he he was born and raised on the East Coast in Halifax. And but our teams would end up in national tournaments against each okay. other, and obviously he's the best player I've ever probably played against or seen play. Um, and even at the time, he was he was phenomenal. I hmm. mean, it gives me chills to think about him. But uh, playing against Crosby, all kinds of guys, um, all kinds of names. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough after playing uh, junior hockey out in British Columbia, I moved out to the West Coast. British Columbia is about twenty four hours from my my hometown in Alberta. Alberta, uh, lived with a billet family, lived right on the ocean. It's about a five hour birds flight from Vancouver. But mm. the thing is, it's on a second peninsula north of Vancouver. So you have to take two ferry boats to get there. Oh, wow! So anywhere we played, we had to get on a boat. It was, it was an incredible life experience. I uh, got to learn about the ocean and, and, and see all kinds of unique, crazy things out there. Uh, big part of my life moving forward. Uh, but after I left there, I got a full ride scholarship uh, offer to Minnesota State University, uh, which was kind of the goal and the dream and the path of, of Canadians growing, you know, going through that, that system was you want to get your education paid for and then get your foot in the door with the best players in the world yeah. to provide, you know, uh, an opportunity, maybe play professional or, or in the NHL, every kid's dream. So uh, moved to Minnesota, um, uh, went to college there, played uh, college hockey in the best college league in, in the world. Um, many in, in that division, uh, those years that I played, uh, it was the uh, Western Collegiate Hockey Association, and it was the best college division in, in, in that that time frame in 2002 three four those years there players uh like phil kessel um i i could go on and on about all the players and every team had about two or three nhl superstars mm. so it was a great experience and it was eye-opening and and you grow up loving a sport and you, you realize there's a lot of good players out yeah, there and yeah. you get thrown into that mix and, and, uh, you know, you, you real you get humbled pretty quick. So yeah, you start to realize that you, you might've been good in yes. one community, yes. you know, or excellent in one community. Yeah. And then you just see the breadth of talent and that it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to match up with some of those guys. Yeah. It's um, like, they're, they're just phenomenal athletes. And, and I, I'm not a big believer that people are, 
I don't like the term God gifted talent. I think everything's worked for. And I think those guys, oh, he's just God gifted. Well, you know what? He put in more work than anybody <laughs> else, right? And, and that's what I learned when I got to that level is how much work it took. Uh, you, you know, you could be born with skill and I could be born with uh, the ability to sense the game and, and to make plays and things like that and to skate. But really the separation between the greatest players in the world is is that extra level of work ethic and commitment and drive and diet. And um, I learned a lot of life lessons there as a, as a young kid. Hockey was easy for me uh, until I got there. And then it was, yeah. then you got to start. You can't just depend on that natural talent. Exactly, exactly. So t- tell me about the process of, you know, uh, I guess getting out of college and kind of looking at the path before you, whether it's, you know, you, you might have had a dream at some point of the NHL and then yeah. you start to think, OK, well, maybe that's not a reality. There are these other, you know, pro leagues and, and kind of looking down that path, which eventually brought you to Amarillo. Yeah. And, and, and you're exactly right. So it's the path in hockey chooses you. You know, okay. you don't choose the path. And I tell players now that I coach and, and, and mentor all the time that like the, the old saying is you could spin the globe and put your finger on it and you could literally through the game of hockey or, or a lot of other sports end up there, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and, and that's kind of the, the unique part of hockey. And, and that's what I tell people all the time is like, don't, don't over worry about where you're going. Just trust the process and enjoy it and learn about the communities you're playing in and learn about different people and different, different things around the world and grow yourself, you know, but, um, I left college uh, to pursue hockey. And, uh, I, I, I have a passion for business and, and, uh, entrepreneurship and things like that, but I still wanted to play. And, uh, I still had a lot left in the tank, I believed. Right. So I, I went to the Buffalo Sabres training camp, um, another eye-opening experience. It's unbelievable, but the professionalism, the way they took care of you, the way they treated you, it was just it was unbelievable. Um, and from there, uh, so that was, that was, uh, obviously the NHL is the Buffalo Sabres. From there, I went to, uh, Rochester, uh, New York, which is the Rochester Americans, which is the double A affiliate okay. of, or the triple A affiliate of the Buffalo Sabres at the time, uh, had a really good camp, played a few games early in the year, and then ended up getting sent to, uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, who was the double A affiliate with, which was the central hockey league. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, the path chooses you. And so at the time when you get that call, you're going to Shreveport, Louisiana, you're going, well, what, like, where, where am I going? You know? And they're well, flying you down. Your flight leaves in an hour. Like the wow. cabs in front of the apartment picking you up, like literally. So I get on this plane and I head down and some palm trees and I end up in uh, a hot, humid Louisiana and doesn't scream hockey. Nope. Nope. And that's September, uh, September of 2005. I end up in Louisiana and, uh, was very impressed though by their by their market and their hockey. Hmm. I was they had a, a a large building, the Century Tell Center, uh, I think it was named at the time, and uh, our first game was sold out. And uh, the team the year before the the Mud Bugs in Shreveport, who I was playing for, lost in the championship to the Laredo Bucks in Laredo, Texas. So the opening game was against Laredo. It was my first game of pro hockey, and. Uh, uh, well, in that in that level, anyways, was my first game, and it was it was a war, and hmm. it, I was like, "Holy smokes, this league is tough." These are men, and I was uh, 20 years old, right? Yeah. And I'm playing against guys that are 35, you know, 28, 29 in the prime of their peak, and uh, and these guys don't mess around, man. Hockey, hockey's tough, and I, you know, I walked I walked in for this interview. You probably noticed I'm not a very big guy. Um, I'm thick, but I'm, I'm yeah, only may, five. maybe not height wise. Height wise, but- yes, I, I have I have some thickness, but I I was very small. I've always been the smallest player on my team through my entire life, from the time I was 10 years old all the way till I retired. And, and, uh, I like to call it big boy hockey coming into the central hockey league. It's you, you better be ready and you better be, you better be tough. And, uh, it was a good introduction to, uh, the path of coming to Amarillo. Um, Shreveport, uh, didn't necessarily work out 
uh, for whatever reasons, it's a business and, and I, I, I don't even know what those reasons were, but I uh, ended up getting uh, sent to Amarillo and my best friend growing up who we played on the same team together was playing here in Amarillo okay. professional hockey, Bill Vandermeer and a lot of listeners who, who might follow hockey that are listening will, will know Bill Vandermeer is a phenomenal player here for the gorillas for a lot of years. Uh, but I, I told Bill, I said, I got a couple of options when leaving Shreveport and he goes, you got to come to Amarillo. He goes, you would love this place. It's just like home, hmm. just like home. And I'll never forget that. And I, I said, you know what, if it's just like home, I'm going to come try it out. So, uh, he, he got in touch, uh, with, with the coach, Jim Wiley at the time, uh, who ended up, he, he coached in San Jose for the Sharks and Jim played in the NHL. Uh, he actually ended up being the favorite, my favorite coach I've ever had here in Amarillo. But I came uh, and I, I sat down uh, the very first day in Amarillo and uh, coach, coach Wiley says, we don't have a room for you, but because you're friends with Billy and I really like him, I'm going to give you two weeks and uh, I'm going to let you practice and I'm going to let, let you try and find a spot, play professional hockey. And it crushed me, right? I went home yeah. and couldn't sleep that night and said, maybe it's over for me. Maybe I got to go back to Alberta and, and get, get on the oil rigs. And I told myself, no, I said, I got two weeks, so I'm going to prove myself. So I, I stayed here and those two weeks ended up being the two weeks that the rodeo was in town, okay. the ranch rodeo in November. And what that meant was we didn't have ice. Yeah, they took, they took the facility. So first day of practice in Amarillo, I drive to the rink, to the Civic Center with my hockey bag and my tree port stuff still on. And there's literally horses running around yeah. in stables. And I'm like, this can't be the rink. Like, I'm, I call Billy Vandermeer and he goes, yeah, man, you're there, but we're not practicing there today. We're going to Lubbock. We're getting on the bus. It's across the street. So I turn around, old Santa Fe Depot there. The bus is pulled in front. All the guys are like, who's this guy? Like, what's hmm. he doing here? So I jump on the bus and we ride the hour and a half down to Lubbock when they had ice and they had a team at the time. And we did that for two weeks and we wow. practiced in Lubbock. And I think I impressed the coach and, and the team, the, the guys on the team, but uh, just works out sometimes in life where God has a plan. And, and we had some injuries at the end of those two weeks and I ended up filling in a role. And uh, I never looked back. I ended up staying here and playing professional for four and a half seasons, which is a long time at that level, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It sounds like it's a short period, but for, for a career, that's it's pretty long for professional, the minor league level, you know, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, Amarillo has been amazing to me. So. Tell me, I'd like to hear a little bit, apart from, you know, going to what you thought was the rink and, you know, finding a rodeo, um, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. seems very Amarillo. <laughs> yes. But uh, tell me a little bit about those impressions of Amarillo. You know, having been told it's, it's a lot like Alberta, it, it's going to feel like home. Um, what did you find here, not just in terms of this community, but like what, what was the state of hockey in Amarillo when you arrived? Yeah, like great question. As much like Shreveport, like where I, where I had no clue. And, and I remember I flew in. And, uh, you obviously I got off at the airport there and, and I'm driving in on I 40 heading West mm -hmm. for the very first time. And, uh, the big Texan literally yeah. seeing the cowboy literally was one of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen. Okay. It was perfect timing. Like yeah. I just, I landed right at sunset and it was, uh, in November, it was just a beautiful, that West sunset heading West. And I was like, wow. And that reminded me of home. We had very similar, the sunsets. Uh, and then driving over I-40, restaurants everywhere. I'm like, where where are we going? You know, and uh, they pulled us into our team apartments. And the very first night I got to town, a bunch of the guys said, hey, we're going to go go bowling. We do it every week. Come come meet all the guys. Extremely welcoming. That's one thing about hockey is you're automatically a family that, you know, the day, the day you meet each other. But guys on the team are great. But what I'll always remember is we, we, we went to uh, Western Bowl that night and there were hockey fans everywhere really and they were coming up to me asking for autographs going because i guess they knew the guys were hanging out there every week on i maybe it was a tuesday or a wednesday night i can imagine because we usually played and, and took it serious thursday friday saturday but monday tuesdays had a little bit of fun you know in pro hockey and and uh so it had to have been a monday or tuesday night but the fans i guess knew the guys were showing up there okay. weekly and I walked in and they were hugging and asking for autographs and introducing themselves and literally telling me they'll do anything for me. I said, I haven't even played a game here yet. Yeah. Matter of fact, 
like I'm not even on the team right now. <laughs> like so, so I'll never forget that how welcoming this area is. And that was still pretty is. early, you know, for professional hockey to be in Amarillo. I mean, it's not yeah. like it's something that had been here since the seventies or sixties, you know? Yeah, no, it was yeah. And 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 at the end of the day, we we had, I think, four or five sellouts my first year. Um, and, and, and this whole area with the whole entire league and the central hockey league at the time in the South, South division, which would have been the Fort Worth Brahmas, Corpus Christi, Laredo, Odessa, uh, Amarillo. Then we had teams in Colorado, Oklahoma city, anywhere you went in those markets, it, they did well. They drew, mm-hmm. drew awesome attendance. Uh, the product on the ice was great. And it was during that era where hockey was tough and there was fighting and there was, there was a lot of skill and speed was was starting to get introduced to the game uh now that's that's not so much how it is there's a lot less there's hardly any fighting now and it's all speed and skill and it's still competitive and tough but it's it's not the same right so back in the heyday there in the central hockey league in the early 2000s mid 2000s we're very good attended games and and corporate sponsorships and uh it was we we always joke but it was was pretty serious it was kind of like a mini nhl where uh, the fans knew you you travel to these different communities and you're well known and it was an awesome experience it was a lot of fun is is incredible you know and and and, in amarillo you go out to eat with the guys and people would randomly come up to you and say and i don't know i guess we look different canadian hockey players we're not wearing our stuff and they just know you're a hockey player so that was unique and that was flattering and uh, it was a cool experience so i i want to jump forward a little bit i know that you know, you played for several years, you ended up working for, you know, hockey in an administrative level, you yep. know, front office. And, and just, you know, in the, the 15 years that you've been here, how have you seen the sport and the game develop, you know, kind of catch hold in this community? Not just, you know, from what's happening at a professional level, but I mean, like kids and families and stuff like that. Absolutely. So, so hockey is one of the fastest growing sports in, in the country and, and even in the world in some parts. Surprisingly enough, in, in Canada, the growth is slowing down and, hmm. and it's actually a big, big issue, even politically up there is why is, why is hockey not growing like it is used to? Is something replacing it up there? I mean, is- No, not necessarily. I just think economy and uh, hockey is now becoming such an elite environment and okay. white collar and, and, and I think Canada has really taken a grip on that where now you're starting to see in the United States markets like Dallas and Denver where they're making hockey affordable and they're making it uh, available for a lot more kids and a lot more neighborhoods and communities like we're doing here and we can get into that later but um, hockey has evolved significantly here and uh, I have to say when I retired in 2010 I jumped on right away with the Amarillo Bulls um, we're talking about the heyday with the Central Hockey League and how awesome it was. A lot of things went south there in the last few years with player unions and uh, insurance and things like that where the owners couldn't keep those markets going. And even with the sellouts and the corporate sponsorships, the players were asking for too much. It was just, it didn't work. So what happened in this area, this whole region, including Amarillo, is that it moved into the amateur hockey where the players are not paid. And they are insured through USA Hockey and the governing body of, of, of hockey here in the U- United States. Um, so it was a very, on a business side, uh, a much better model to go to and, and a, an ability to keep you know fans in the seats, keep the markets going, these pro hockey markets, but with junior hockey players. Okay. I know. I remember in 2010, I, I retired and I went right into the front office with the Amarillo Bulls and an assistant coach with that team. And I remember our fan base at the time being very upset and, and, and especially reaching out to me personally saying, hey, why, why aren't we professional anymore? These are a bunch of high school kids. This, like, what are we doing? Like, we don't deserve this. We sell out. Like, we have great. And, and it, was, it was an uproar. And my response to them and, and our ownership's response was, you got to watch a game. Junior hockey yeah. is good hockey. It's the best 16 to 21 year olds in the world coming here to play their butts off to obtain Division One scholarships to 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 get in a hundred and twenty thousand dollar education deal through the sport. You want to talk about entertainment? Come watch these kids play. And I knew that because I've been through it and I played the at that level. Um, but the fans here didn't realize that. Yeah. 
So I, I, we talked to the ownership and we said, why don't we do a guarantee the first year? And we said, fans, they buy season tickets, they get five games. If they don't like it, full money back. Okay. They're like, absolutely. You really believe in the pro-? I said, yeah, let's do it. Sure enough, we did that. Not one person asked for their money back. First game, Amarillo Bulls hockey history. We won in a shootout, like a, a 12-man shootout. It was a one nothing game against a team from Texas, the Texas Tornado from Frisco. Um, and, and it was phenomenal. And, and it, was, it was no different than the Gorillas. Now, on a hockey standpoint, a professional standpoint, there's a difference. And, and, but, you know, it's maybe like the NFL and college football type thing. Yeah, right? Where it's still entertaining. It, but it's still very good. And it's entertaining in its own way, right? So um, I think it caught on immediately. And after about two years, I got to give our former ownership a ton of credit um, for really putting in, uh, investing a lot of money into the marketing and into getting it here. And they knew what it took and they, they've, they've been very successful in a lot of other markets. Um, and they did it much like the Sod Poodles have done coming to Amarillo and, and it, it took off. The Amarillo Bulls hockey took off and uh, we hired the best coach in the country. Uh, he came in, we had a, a winning product immediately for the first four years where the national tournament, uh, our third year, 2013, uh, one of the best professional days of my life was winning the championship, national championship, bringing it home to Amarillo, getting to walk off that bus with with the fans that I had, you know, have been around and have yeah. been a part of my You've hockey. You've seen at the bowling alley. You fa- know, exactly. Early. The exact same people were there lifting us off the ground with excitement. And, and it gives me chills to this day how awesome that was for our community. And, and I... Uh, I think hockey really took off at that point here again. And, and that's when the youth went. To, it, it put us in a position to put the youth into the place it's at now okay. where people were interested. They're coming to the games. They said, I want my kid to play. This is amazing. These young men are so polite. They're so respectful. They give back to the community. I want my son or daughter to be like that. So I kind of evolved my personal career where I put a lot of time and energy into the nonprofit to growing the youth to the grassroots development of the game. And that's really where I found this ultimate passion. Like playing was phenomenal. Coaching is phenomenal, but really it's, it's for me is, is giving back the opportunity that I had as a kid to the kids here in Amarillo, mm-hmm. to a non-traditional hockey market. They call yeah. it. I, and I'm, I'm, we're trying to get rid of that term because yeah. we want to be traditional. And, and I, you know, the last I heard, you know, through uh, the economic development group here is that we were the fastest growing sport in Amarillo. And I mean, that made me step back for a minute. And I said, we are hockey. Like that's, this is a hockey town now and we have a lot of work to go. And I know we're going to talk about it more with, with the new year round ice facility. That was the next major step we needed. And that's what our, we've, we've been pursuing now for seven years in a lot of different ways, financially and, and uh, fundraising and growing the game. We realize if we, if we want a full-time facility, well, we have to put people in the facility yeah. and that's what we did. We went to work and we put it together and we built it and it's been an amazing team effort and, and hockey here has been a lot of fun to be a part of and to see the joy in the kids playing now and, and the experiences they're getting and the life lessons they're learning. Do they all need to go on the path that I went on or that do they all need to go get division one scholarships? No, but for me, it's, it's the life lessons they're learning along the way. And, and that's really the, the, what our program and what we're all about now. And, and that's what kids need in this world today. So tell, tell me about the importance of the rink, because I, I think of it in terms of you describing growing up you know, where you did, you had a rink behind your house, you had, had one in front of your house, you put one in your backyard. Yeah. You know, we don't have frozen ponds, you know, just generally here in, in Amarillo. If you want to play football, you can go to the park. If you want to play soccer, you can go to the park. There's basketball courts everywhere. But if you want to play hockey, you can't just go someplace and play hockey. You know, it's, it's not that easy, yeah. like you guys having to drive to Lubbock when the rodeo was in town. Exactly. So tell me, you know, over the past few years how these kids who are beginning to love the sport, like how are they doing it not having that much access, you know, to an ice rink? It's a great question. And hockey has gone through a revolution over the whole, like hockey itself across the world on this new training that can be done off the ice. And the technology off the ice now, as opposed to when I was a kid growing up, is 
it's astronomically better. And kids, the excuse to, I don't have ice to get better is kind of gone now. Now saying that, nothing will replicate skating full-time every day as much as you want, like, like you do on a pond. Um, even with the synthetic ice technology that kids have now, they, they fill their garages here locally in Amarillo. A bunch of our kids, they skate in their garages mm-hmm. on synthetic ice. Um, but, but at the end of the day, I think, I, I think this is, put it this way, Derek Hahn, for those of you uh, listening that know hockey, he's the best player to ever come play in Amarillo through Amarillo. Uh, best, one of the best players I've ever played with. Um, but him and I were out celebrating Canada Day, July 1st this year in Angel Fire, and we're golfing together. Um, and uh, he just looked at me and he said, do you realize now with the rink we're going to have kids playing in the NHL that were born and raised from Amarillo? Hmm. And I, again, it took me, made me step back, and I said, absolutely, you're right. He goes, he goes it's going to be crazy over the next 10 years, the, the level of uh, talent and, and the ability that these kids locally are going to have because... Because right now we have that talent, but a lot of those kids are playing football. Uh, absolutely. They're playing basketball. They just have never played hockey and never have discovered, yeah. wow, this is something I'm good at. Yes. we. One thing about Amarillo is we have some amazing athletes here, and I love following all sports and the golf and the baseball kids and the football kids, basketball kids here, and the volleyball girls are amazing in Amarillo. Um, and that's exactly, you hit the nail on the head. Like that's, that's I think having a full-time ice facility is now going to show parents of those kids and, and not necessarily the ones now, but the ones growing up mm-hmm. coming through it as young, young kids that are athletic, that want to be involved in sports and team sports. I think now it takes away the excuse of, well, it's a part-time thing in Amarillo or I don't know. There's not many opportunities there yeah. like there is with the other sports that's gone now because our opportunities are endless now. And, and uh, it's going to be really cool to see. And I, I can't wait. The next five years is going to be, is going to be a lot of fun. So for people, for listeners who don't know about the rink, don't know about kind of the process to get there tell me like what's the state of it right now what what do we have yep so we so back in 1994 the emerald hockey association as a non-profit 501c uh ahai inc we call it was formulated by bobby lee the big texan and uh uh, some of the guys from emerald national bank and pepsi and what they did was they actually built the building we're going into mm-hmm. in 1994 uh, over on Third Street in Grant, right, right next to the Santa Fe Depot. Um, it was formerly, as, as probably a lot of people listening will remember it as the uh, Gory Auction Building House. Right. It has the co- copper awnings on it. That, before there was even walls built around that, was built by those guys as an inline hockey rink for all their kids that, that were growing up and loving hockey, and they played inline hockey. And uh, it was great how they built it. The engineer did a, a phenomenal job uh, on on basically building a hockey rink. And what happened was, it, I, I'm not sure the details, but it fell out from under them over a few years. Uh, and then it got privately owned and then turned into an auction house. And then that same building, uh, once it was privately owned, they ended up building the walls around it, putting in the offices, the bathrooms, and all those things. Uh, and then the city ended up taking possession of it recently, uh, and they're using it for storage for Parks and Rec. And I've been looking for 10 years for a build, a pre-existing building in Amarillo that's in a decent location that we could put an ice rink in. And there's a lot of variables and factors that go into that. You find a great place, but then it has uh, poles running through it. Well, you can't right. have a 200 by 80 foot square foot ice rink with poles running. Yeah, just avoid that. You're like, what a perfect place. And then then you find a place with no poles, but the building, the ceiling's so high that there's no way you could keep it enough energy efficient enough to keep the cost down to even be to even keep a, a rink going. So this building popped up and I said, man, there's a lot that we need to think about, but this could be the perfect place. And we approached the city and they go, Literally, they go, do you want to walk across the street and go look at it? We said, yeah. We walked across the street, and uh, uh, the Parks and Rec director now in Amarillo is Canadian. Yeah, Michael Kashuba. Michael, yeah. And Michael walked in with us, and the three of us Canadians looked up, and we go, this is a hockey rink. And we go, this this is a perfect hockey rink, and we couldn't believe it. And we said, well, what do we need to do? So um, we took the steps forward. We got uh, very aggressive. Uh, with the city and got very serious with our financing. 
Um, and, and we're ready to take this to, we're in the place where we need to go. And the city has been so amazing to work with. And, and the city leadership here, in my opinion, has been phenomenal. Um, and they run this place very well. And they've been nothing but great to us. Uh, so we ended up getting a 15-year lease, a 10-year lease with a five-year option to rent the space. Um, they found a new solution for storage for Parks and Rec. I think okay. that was an easy solution. Yeah. And they were a happy, lot of warehouse space. They were happy there. to do so. We're at it right now. We're in there. Um, um, getting it ready to go. We got our contractor set. We we've done all the surveying um, and constru- construction started. So um, we're we're super excited. We're aiming for uh, November opening. Okay. Um, and and that's you know it's a, anything can happen in construction and projects like this. But um, we feel pretty good right now. And, and with COVID, there's not much going on, so things are actually happening really quick. Um, so yeah, we're very excited to get this thing going. So tell me, uh, you know, looking into the future, when it's open, tell me what the use is going to be like. I mean, I, I can see it as a, a place where maybe youth teams can practice. Maybe people can just go and ice skate the public. I mean, is that what we're looking at? This is going to be a working ice rink with a bunch of different uses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yes, we're hockey guys from Canada running the the program, but this isn't a hockey rink. Absolutely, It is, but... But this is a community ice center, and we are going to offer so many unique experiences and opportunities that you can't find anywhere. And not even, it's not even, there's not even capabilities at the current Civic Center ice to do some of the things we're, we're going to try and do. Um, but there's some really cool ice sports out there that we can't wait to introduce to the okay. community. Uh, broomball. Broomball, for those, you can Google it. Um, you don't know how, you don't have to know how to skate. You wear your, your tennis shoes. And you wear a helmet and we will provide the sticks. It's like soccer. The nets are big and the sticks are kind of like hockey sticks, but they have uh, a a plastic broom on the end Mm. and the ball is like a handball or a volleyball. And it is one of the funnest sports You'll you'll see once we once we open this up and we get the churches coming in and the field trips, um, we're going to introduce a lot of kids and it's a sport that you can play instantly um, without any skill required. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Curling, yeah, um, we're going to put curling in. Curling's a big big sport in Europe and, and in Canada, of course. And Everybody's I, seen it in the Olympics, but probably it's never an amazing, had any opportunity to try it. My favorite sport in the Olympics, other than hockey. Um, I love watching curling. It's such a, a strategic game. Uh, there's so much that goes in. It's like chess on ice with a little bit of shuffleboard, you know. And, uh, but anyways, we're going to introduce that, and I think we're going to have a really good following. We've already had many of people reaching out, um, transplants from the north, going, you better have curling, or, or emailing me. And I said, yes, we're going to have curling. Um, ice skating, ice dancing, figure skating. Um, people here might not realize that Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Colorado Springs, Colorado, which isn't far from here, yeah. are the two hotbeds in the world for ice skating okay. and figure skating. Some of the best world champions train there. They've been they've come out of those programs. Um, we're right here. We want to expand as much as we can and ultimately be a place where uh, a boy or a girl from Amarillo uh, can go to the Olympics through figure skating. Yeah, and again, Amarillo has a strong yes. dance culture, a strong yes. ballet culture, yes. but those athletes have never had a chance to kind of move that toward the ice. Oh, and it's... Again, it's 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 one of the best sports to watch out there in the Olympics as well as figure skating. Uh, I I love it. It's so elegant. It's artistic and it's athletic. Um, it's it's an amazing sport, and we we really want to get local kids involved with it, and we want to give them that opportunity. So you've been here for you know fifteen years. Grew up in a completely different place, but one that kind of feels like this. I, I wonder at this point if you feel like like Amarillo's kind of be come your home? Does it feel yeah. like home to you? Or do you still feel like I'm just visiting from Canada for a while? I, this is my home hundred percent. If, if I went home, uh, it would feel like I was visiting. Right. So okay. this, uh, Amarillo is, is it my, my kids were born here. I, I got married here. Um, I, I love this place. My best friends are here. It's really unique because uh, a lot of uh, our teammates that I, I played with the gorillas have, have stayed with <laughs> me. And so we have that, that, Canadian culture within our right. group of friends. Right. 
not that it's much different than the American culture or even Texas culture is so similar to Canadian culture, but, um, it's, it's cool to have that. And all of our kids grow up and they're, well, we're Americans and we're Canadians. And, and it's, it's really neat to be in this community and having those, the, the group of guys that, that played here and, and stayed here and, and, and coming from such here. like a, a transitory culture. I mean, semi-pro hockey, even professional hockey, you're moving from one place to another and to have so many people just kind of land here yeah. and plant here, you know, said something about what they found. hundred percent. Like we always joke about it, but I, I, we, we always say it's the Amarillo trap. Once you're here, you're not leaving. Yeah. And people go Amarillo, really? You know, and then they come here and they realize people are nice. People care. And it's not fake care. They really do care. Um, people will give you the shirt off their back here. Even in the business community, you can see how much it's different than corporate America. And, and they put their people first. They put relationships first uh, over their self-interest. And, and you look at the businesses here in town that are very successful for 75 to 100 years, some of these businesses. It's because of those reasons. And you don't find that in other places. And in even other cities in Texas, you don't find that. Um, and that's where Amarillo, to me, is unique. It's it's the people, right? And uh, what's the old saying is is you surround yourself with great people, and that's that's your home. That's where your heart is, right? And that's that's 100% for me what, what Amarillo has evolved over time, over the 15 years of being here is is the relationships and I would never leave that for anything else. As I mentioned earlier, this episode of Hammerella podcast is sponsored by Shimon Dental, which sponsors the show through Patreon. After more than 150 episodes, which are taking place every week and have taken place every week since 2017, I can offer this show for free because of the generous support of my sponsors. These sponsors get their message out in front of thousands of Hey Amarillo listeners every month. So if you or your business want to support Hey Amarillo, if you want to reach my dedicated local listener base, then please visit patreon.com slash heyamarillo. You can also get in touch with me through heyamarillo.com. I've got some open slots in the coming year for sponsors, and I've got some really exciting guests in store. So hit me up. Okay, I'm back with Austin Sutter. Austin, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, a lot of the same questions I ask every guest, and your job is to answer those in as much detail as you can. Um, and, and one of them is relatively new that I've been asking in the past few weeks, but what's one thing that the last few months of the pandemic, the protests, I mean, what is something that you've learned about Amarillo as a result of this? Um, it's made me more proud to be from Amarillo. I've learned that our, our city leadership is really good and uh, they've gone through a lot of adversity and I think they've handled things very well. I think they've continued to uh, run business as is, even with the adversity. I think when you look at a national level um, on the news and in the media, I think we've, we've handled everything very well Okay, and I'm proud to be from Amarillo. What's your favorite local coffee shop to make a hard turn? So hockey or coffee is an absolute staple where I grew up in Canada. It's, it's a a huge part of the culture there too. Um, so I love coffee and I will say when I, I, I love that question. So there's my top three would be the roast roasters, um, uh, cliffside and palace. But if I had to choose one at the moment, it would be cliffside. Okay. And you, you mentioned those three. Each of those has a little bit different culture, a little bit different feel. They're, I don't know if they're, they're like maybe treating coffee a little differently at each place. And so the, it's not like just saying, well, all the coffee shops in Amarillo are the same. They're not, but each one kind of has their strengths. They sure do. Yeah, so why do, why do you pick Cliffside as, as your favorite right now? Um, I, I think all three have really good customer service and they care about their people much like we were talking about earlier. Uh, that's why all three are doing well. I think it's for me convenience and honestly just 
quality of product okay. um, for Cliffside. I just, I haven't had a bad one. I really enjoy the taste of it. Uh, not so much for me, the atmosphere. It's, it's how fast can I get one? And when I get one, is the product good? Is the taste good? Yeah. And one thing I got to say is, is over the 15 years, coffee wasn't very big in Amarillo. Right. Yeah. It's and, really good. And now it's, it's really taken off and I'm really happy about that because I love coffee. What does this area have too much of? Wind. All right. Way too much wind. Yep. <laughs> Is there any comparison uh, in Alberta? I mean, uh, living in a flat place, you know, with stuff yep. coming off the mountains. I mean, did you have wind like this? Yes, we did. And Southern Alberta is is what I've. I'm, I'm from Central Alberta, but visiting the South and family and hockey down there so many years, it's it's a very windy place too, and it's it's actually very similar. Um, but man, it's there's some days it's just so beautiful here, and the, the there's not a cloud in the sky. It's perfect temperature. But then you just got the wind blowing in. It kind right. of spoils the day. And that's that's the, that's my only complaint. <laughs> Haven't quite gotten used to that one. Right, right. <laughs> what does this area not have enough of? I, I love live music. Huge fan. And I think our local live music scene here is awesome. We love to go watch all the local artists play. But one thing we don't have enough of is the big concerts. The mm -hmm. big the big shows that Lubbock and Oklahoma City and Albuquerque get in Colorado. Uh, my wife and I, we, we try to do two or three major concerts a year, and we always have to travel. And it's, it's fun to get out. It's fun to do the Airbnb and the hotel or whatever. But I would love if we got some of those big acts in Amarillo. I'd like to see more of that. And that's, that's been one of the big disappointments. Well, I mean, obviously a lot of disappointments about the last few months with the pandemic but that the city had taken really good steps, you know, toward yes. thinking about a new civic center, preparing for a bond election, a vote and stuff on that. And all that's kind of been, you know, pushed yeah. forward a while. Um, and, and yeah, I think a lot of people would agree that's something that we need. That's a way we need to prepare for the future. And now we're in a period of uncertainty, you know, trying to figure out if the plan for that is still going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say, personally and and speaking on behalf of the hockey association we are all for the development down that's where our new our new yeah, ice I mean, ranch is going to be located so we're we're for it but before the ice ranch we're we're for it i think anything that is going to bring that those types of things to our community is is a win and i think the community is getting younger and younger and it's a, a it's an amazing place to raise kids and to raise family and the school districts here are are great um and, and the, the youth sports involvement and the new facilities that are coming to town, the Hodge town, I think it's a great place to live and to raise a family. And, and I, I think we need to keep going on that path. And I would love to see um, Amarillo step up and, and provide this for, for our community. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? Maybe you're talking to relatives back home and they're like, what, where did you end up? You know? Well, yeah, it's funny because I say it's a lot like home to them, but I, I say it's a, a very spirited and passionate place with hardworking people that care. Um, it's, it's a tough place. And I, and I don't mean that as uh, rough and tough, you know, West Texas, you know, gunslinger, but uh, tough as in people will overcome adversity here. Hmm. People will do what it takes to be successful, and and I think it's a very kind place, and it's one of the most generous communities that I've ever been a part of. Um, I don't I, I don't see too many other places where the generosity is 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 like it is here, and the the care and the give back um, to its people and its citizens from the business community, from from volunteers. It's just it's it's one of a kind. Okay, I haven't asked this question in a while, but I'm really interested in your answer. When was the last time you wore cowboy boots? So I grew up wearing cowboy boots. Okay. I, I wear I wore cowboy boots a lot, uh, but but recently I haven't, and uh, I've I've been dealing with some issues in my feet from playing hockey and being in skates for four hours a day coaching. Um, so I, some days I can barely stand up and walk and get out of bed. So I've been wearing these nice uh, Nikes and Adidas, but uh, I think I got about five or six pairs of boots in okay. my in my closet. And uh, when we go out to my wife's farm in Oklahoma, uh, that's all I wear. I sleep in them. <laughs> it's, so I guess I fit right in. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> all right. And see if you'll align yourself with a certain team in Amarillo, Pack-A-Sack or Toot and Totem. That's, so that's a great question. Uh, you, you know, I like the coffee shops. I don't want to be cliche and say both, but I do think both are great for the community. And I think both offer great products. 
Um, if I had to pick, I would say Pakistan a lot because um, one, I think their coffee is better. Okay. Uh, two, uh, the with the partnership that they have with Eads Meat, I love going in and getting the yeah. beef jerky, and they have Absolutely. the sausage links, and it's a nice little convenient spot there. Um, so again, maybe it's maybe the separation would be would be the product again. Okay. And. You mentioned Bobby Lee. When was the last time you went to the Big Texas? <laughs> Yesterday. Okay. So, so <laughs> Bobby right. Lee and, and Todd. And, and his family's a big hockey family. So yes. obviously, I mean, that, that we're very sense. We're very good friends. Uh, Bobby has supported our program as much or more than anybody. Um, I've, I've built a relationship with his sons now, uh, Tyler and Patrick. Both of they, whom played. They played at DBU, and, and they're very passionate, and they want to get involved with our program, and they're, they're so... They're tickled to death about the new ice ranch, and Bobby started that project. Yeah. So we actually had lunch out there yesterday. I got the prime rib and sweet potato, and uh, uh, talk some hockey and talk some ice ranch. and And uh, Bobby's a wonderful guy for this community and for tourism, and and uh, and he's one of my mentors. He's taught me a lot about marketing, and and uh, that's why I love to to meet with him at least once a week and sit down and have lunch. And uh, the food's phenomenal there, so yeah. I'm not complaining. And and two, uh, I always come out with some really good ideas every time we eat so okay austin that concludes the eight straight questions i like to close by asking my guests to endorse something so what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience here in this area well the game of hockey i i have to i, I mean i gotta say that it's it's uh one of the best sports in the world it's the fastest game in the world and it, it provides so many amazing life lessons for for young and old um not that other sports don't, but uh, hockey has a unique culture and it's it's a hockey family. And, and when people get involved with that hockey family, they, there's not many that leave. And I found that like the yes. hockey families I know are passionate. Yes. Hockey families. It, it is true. And and I think if we could introduce, you know, these things to kids uh, at the grassroots level, and we can introduce this to adults at the grassroots level. Um, it's amazing how fast we've grown because of that. And, and it's, it sells itself, you know. And, and with the new facility, the ice ranch, I just encourage everyone to come out, give it a try, put some skates on. Hockey is one of the safest sports in the world. People don't realize that either. You watch it on TV, it's not, it's violent and it's, it's different. But at the youth level, it's very safe. At the adult level, recreation level, it's very safe. Um, and, and we have an amazing group of former professional players, coaches in this area that have really put together an amazing program. And it's not always about winning and losing. It's not always about making it to the NHL. It's, it's about the life lessons along the way and learn how to become a good citizen, learn how to be an honest, hardworking human being that cares about others, that puts others ahead of themselves. And that's really what our message is. It's, it's effort and attitude, the two things you can control. Everything else you can't control. Uh, and, and a matter of fact, when you, when you walk into the ice ranch, you're going to see a big and bold effort and attitude. And, and, and that's what I want people in the community to experience is, is the ability to have those life lessons and, and to use hockey as a, you know, as a platform to make yourself a good human being. Right. Austin Sutter, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful experience. And uh, like I said, I'm going to be a longtime listener. Good job and good work here in Amarillo. Thanks. And that concludes the episode. Thanks to Austin Sutter for the interview. You can learn more about the Amarillo Hockey Association at AmarilloHockey.com. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing the show and to Shimon Dental for sponsoring Hey Amarillo. Supporters of Hey Amarillo through Patreon include executive producers Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Jason Burr, Wes Reeves, Katie Linger, Jess Heredia, Neil Nossiman, Jennifer Callahan, Ryan Pennington, and Joshua Rafe. This has been episode 159. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.